Welcome back to Weekly Dish on my talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Elizabeth Reitz this weekend. Good morning, friends. So glad to have you back on the show. I love being here. After a long uh, hiatus. Yeah. Of course, Steph Hansen is up in uh, Ely promoting uh, Cardinelli's book, which is great. The Barons. We talked a little bit about that earlier. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's just kind of, and she'll be back, but you are coming back, I think in, uh, well, you're coming back in June. Yeah. I've got a few dates over the summer that I'm going to be um, popping back in. As you know, this. I like to do my summer fill in work. Come on in every once in a while. Just yeah. pop in and tell us how things are going. When you need me, I show up. I love it. I love it. Well, guess what time it is. It's time for top two in hour two. Boom. Give him the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two, the top two. Your best two. In our two. All right, give me two, will All right, it's the time of the show. You guys, when we talk about a couple of things that we are loving and uh, can't and just want to recommend, can't, can't can't stop thinking about it. Yes. Do you have one you want to start? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I mentioned that store, Toxie Free in Saint or in Stillwater. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I have an obsession. You know, I get into things. You get and into then I it. Like you it. get into a vibe. I can't. Uh, I just love it there so much, and I found so many great things when I was there. Um, I also, Laura, when I was there, she was like, you have to try these pecans, and she gave them to me, and I have become completely obsessed with them. So you can get them at Toxie Free in Stillwater. You can also order online, and she'll, I mean, she'll even deliver if you're close. I mean, she's just really lovely. But what's interesting about these is that, um, this might be TMI, but I've always had a little tummy trouble if I have a snack of nuts. Oh. Like, I'll eat, like, a handful, and I kind of feel like, oh, this is what I need, and then I feel, like, a little bit unsettled. These pecans are grown on a, um, they're grown in wild pecan trees on this farm in Texas. And then they are soaked and they're sprouted. So it's so interesting because I have been snacking on them and I don't feel any of like the sort of off digestion that I felt from other nuts. Yeah. And now I'm obsessed. And the pecan, I don't know if you know this about me, is my favorite nut. Of I all did not know that. Nuts. No. I love the pecan. You can call it pecan if you want. Pecan. Do whatever. Do whatever. But they are so wonderful and they become like my go to if like I had dinner and I kind of just want like a little something a little bit later. Yeah. And I just need like something to kind of stick to my bones a little bit before I go to bed. Right. Um, they are fantastic and they're oddly like crunchy, even though they're not roasted. Oh, wow. So there are these, um, they're soaked and sprouted pecans. So I'll link them up for you. Yeah. Do um, it. So you can go and check them out, but it's just like a really interesting little snack that I'm totally loving. I'm down. I'm down with it. So I love, I love snack Intel, mm-hmm. any kind of snack Intel. Yep. All right, I'm going to give a shout out. My first one is last night. I uh, got. I went back to the Lexington. I haven't been to the Lexington since uh, since our dear friend Jack passed away, Aww. and so it was sort of a bittersweet moment. 
Um, by the way, when you walk in, you can see his, you know, chef coat has been framed and it's, you know, it's on the wall. Oh, gosh. Leading upstairs. And I think that's a lovely little tribute. But yeah. I ran into Josh Toma and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it was just kind of nice to see everybody. But, but truly, here's the thing is like we sat up on the rooftop, on the roof deck and we kind of had, we had reservations at 7.15. We're sitting on the rooftop at around 6.30, kind of just pre-gaming. And then we just decided to stay up there. And we got the whole menu. You can get the whole menu upstairs, so you don't have to be downstairs if you don't want to. But I just have to shout out just what a great time we had. I mean, yeah. it was just, you know, it's one of those places where, like, we're thinking about... Everyone was like, we want to go outside, but we also wanted to have, like, a good, you know, kind of dinner. And I just... Th- sitting on the rooftop deck out there and just getting a really great steak and really great oysters and a killer martini. Like that's kind of the whole show. Just shouting them out. Yeah. That's great. It's un, it's un, it's like unparalleled the service and, and our server was great. We had, it was just fabulous. So I'm just shouting them out. And we've been on, you know, you know, just such a hiatus. So it's like, it's good to remind ourselves of yeah. places that maybe you've been to that you just haven't thought of in a while. Well, and I think also exactly that. It's kind of like, I, you know, I tend to go to new places and over and over, you know, like I don't get to go back to a lot of places. I tend to always keep seeking and keep trying new things. And while that's wonderful and I do love it, I also kind of love settling in to something that's a sure thing. I think that's great. And that's it. That's wonderful. Okay, what's your next one? Um, okay, so my next one is this ice cream place that we featured on Twin Cities Live. Oh. And so, you know, I just love these, like, I love that people feel like their town needs to have a small little ice cream parlor, Agreed. like an old-fashioned one. And if there isn't one, then they open one. And right? I think it's so cute. So this place is called What's the Scoop? And our reporter, Kristen Habrick, um, visited with them. And they have, like, this big ice cream truck, too, that will come out to events. So great. And it is so cute. And they have um, a location in Buffalo and then also in St. Michael. Or, um, yes, in St. Michael. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, like, thinking, what am I saying? Um, And it's just so good. So everything about it is really darling, like this lovely, like family operation. And um, and they started this. And then the ice cream is unreal. So (laughs) Kristen brought me a pint back to the studio to try as she was uh, sharing the story from St. Michael. Yeah. And I had a scotcheroo ice cream. Oh, yeah. I have been thinking about it ever since, and I keep forgetting it in the production fridge in the studio. So oh, if no. any of our crew members are listening, don't you dare go in there and you take are, that ice cream. Because I have tough. to go back, because I keep forgetting to bring it home. Because um, I ate it directly out of the pint, so I don't think anyone else wants to eat it. My germs are definitely on it. Yeah. But I'd never Claim had scotcheroo ice cream. And I love a scotcheroo. Oh. Butterscotch goes against like the ingredients in it go against everything I stand for. And yet I still feel that it is the most wonderful substance in the world. Oh, wow. And so I love um, like I love a scotcheroo and to have it in ice cream was unbelievable. And they just do a really great job with like old fashioned, fabulous ice cream. So, again, it's called What's the Scoop? Are they making their own ice cream? I think so. I'm pretty sure. They have, I think that they have the Madison one because they have Superman. Oh, so maybe they have. Then that's probably why I like it so much. Yeah. But yeah. nonetheless, oh, they're doing it's Cedar Crest, I think, is who's doing their ice cream. But still. Whatever. I mean, hello. Like, that means you get, like. Cookie Monster, and that means you have the bubble gum, which, by the way, I'm a bubble gum ice cream fan. I think bubble gum is sick. That's horrendous. I know. That's I know. I know. It's I offensive. can't. I have no accounting for it other than I like it. So <laughs> they have Amaretto Mackinac Island Fudge. That sounds good. Oh yeah, yeah. I like that. I Ugh, like that one. 
so good. Um, okay, that's good. Okay. So wherever their ice cream is coming from, I'm a fan of it. It's called What's the Scoop? It's really cute. Go I love for it. that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Check it out. Okay, so my second one is actually going to be this dinner that I was at the other night um, for Stories Behind the Menu at Modern Well, and it's um, and you've had you've had Amalia on your show before. She Amalia. was just on this week, yeah. Amalia Moreno Dongo, she's right. a Latin food expert. She is, and this is I want to shout out her book, the Mesoamerican uh, Amalia's Mesoamerican Cookbook, because she's really you guys more than just a just a cookbook author. I don't know. You know, we've talked about her before, but this woman is like, you know, she's been in high finance and she's done all sorts of crazy, great, you know, different jobs. And then now she's doing, now she's like teaching cooking and she, the cookbooks that she writes are like almost like textbooks, like a history book. Yeah. It's like a love letter too. Yes. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's not boring textbook reading. It's really interesting to learn about the types of indigenous foods in Mesoamerica, which is that middle chunk. It's basically Central America, but it's a very specific region. That's a very fertile ground. You know, it's where like uh, the the Aztecs, you know, from kind of middle Mexico down through Panama. And um, it's really interesting because she cooked us a lot of stuff uh, at this dinner at Modern Well for stories behind the menu. And we and talked a little bit about how people think, you know, Latin foods, they just sort of, you know, like we were talking about it in the context of Cinco de Mayo, which, of course, everyone gets wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's not Independence Day, but it's a battle, you know, and it's not even a Mexican holiday. It's a Mexican-American holiday. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And just celebrate it as you want to do. But she was saying that there's a lot of context for these kinds of foods. You know, the lime and the avocado and all these things that are in these different countries. And it's just, she's like, it's interesting to sort of dig down into the meanings and, and, and the, you know, like the originalities of them all. Yeah, I love that. Well, and just the diversity of the food, depending on where you are. Yeah. I mean, which I think we see an oversimplification simplification of lots of cuisines quite you know but i mean in you know in fairness to people it's like representing all of china is a bit of a challenge well folks. my god you know right? <laughs> representing all of mexico you're like gonna have a mexican restaurant and you're gonna represent all of mexico that's like un that's it's impossible no, no. You and have you a know 45 page menu yeah unesco of course designated the mexican cuisine you know mexican food as a world heritage thing so it's like you can't even i mean the idea that there's so much ancient uh, you know, there's so many ancient traditions intertwined and regional differences that it's just insane. So, right, for sure. Love it. Love well, it. Listen, I'll eat all the things. And Amalia is, she's a wealth of knowledge. Yes, and her books are great and her food is like, you know, I, we had this pan-roasted salmon that was sort of treated like a ceviche with this really limey tomato kind of like sauce, but it yeah. wasn't a sauce. It was sort of like, you know, it was just sitting in this very great, sort of deliciousness and I was just very happy with it. We have amazing people. I mean, she's sort of like um like Raghavan Iyer is yeah. to Indian food in Minnesota. I mean, we have people really we're lucky creating True. amazing anthologies and, and dedications to their heritage. It's beautiful. I love it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. You guys would come back. We have Mike Brown from Travail talking about his chefs in training and uh kind of exciting. We'll talk about that. We'll be right back. This is a weekly dish on my talk one oh seven one brought to you by Knob Creek. All right, everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us this Saturday. It's a gorgeous day outside, and Elizabeth Reese is in the chair across the city from me. <laughs> That's true. Here I am. You're Not just, that far. You're in your pod, but you're here. I am. And also on the line this weekend, you guys, we have Mike Brown from Travail. Are you there, Mike? Hey. Hi, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thanks for answering the phone. Um, <laughs> we had a little misscheduling hap last weekend. We thought we had Mike last weekend, but you know what? We have you now, so this is the most important part. I'm here now. You're here now. 
So let's talk. I'm very excited about the fact, you know, we talk about, you know, shortages in the industry of labor market. We talk about restaurants struggling to find people to work. And one of the things that you guys started doing was creating a chef's in training program. And you're in your second year. And I want you to talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you over this last year. So, uh, yeah, chefs in training, we call it the CIT program. It's mm-hmm. basically um, us bringing in uh, high school uh, graduates uh, to learn the fundamentals of cooking, but mostly actually is hospitality in general. Yeah. Um, and we use, you know, just the building blocks of teaching organization focus and self-determination in order to get, you know, through certain parts of the job, which may be, you know, writing a list and, you know, accomplishing a prep load, but also, you know, getting in front of people and like learning some soft skills and like being able to talk to and explain, you know, what's going on in the restaurant. So it's, it's actually, uh, we started with 10 last year yeah, and we have six, we have six still on. So for, it's a two year program. So at the beginning, it's, it's very much just rudimentary, Teaching kids how to teach you know, young adults how to actually understand, like, what tools are. and what This is a hotel pan. This is a, you know, ladle. Like, all these things like this. But it eventually gets to the point where they're confident with their knife skills. They're confident with their um, people skills. And they're able to actually be integrated into the, into the, the restaurant. So that's pretty much where those six that from the last year are at right now. And so now we're looking for the new group, right? Yeah. Looking for uh, this new group of uh newly graduates and the, the beautiful part about this is is we have um paired up with seth bixby doherty a chef that uh is pretty well known around town and he's has a huge history but uh one of his main uh, uh things that he's accomplished in is, is being a uh a chef uh teacher that um for 10 years yeah so he's going to do a uh a, a class every couple weeks um just to kind of keep teaching these French cooking uh, rudimentary skills. And it's all basically free um, when it comes to the whole program. In fact, we pay um, the apprentices for the hours that they're there and the hours that we use them for the restaurant, uh, 15 bucks an hour to start. So. Wow. Wow. That's really cool. Okay. So Pretty how cool. does this fit in with like going to culinary school? Like what's the gap that you're trying to fill here? Right. Um, so the, the reason this all kind of came came to fruition is it's very, very traditional way of uh, uh, this industry to bring people into the industry. Back in the day, you would, you would do a, an apprenticeship from the age of 16 to 18 in France or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of culinary schools kind of started up and became a big hit and kind of took over that, that role. But now we're, we're kind of trying to bridge that gap where it's like, you know, we learned, we, we were like, we've, we've learned maybe 10 to 20% in culinary school. I went to La Cordon Bleu back in the day in 2004. Yeah. And uh, we feel like we learned the rest of it just being in the industry and being around what it is, you know? So. So this is so, and I think what's important is like these are these are kids who have graduated high school. Maybe they're not going to go to college, but they also don't want to just like get a restaurant job. They're looking for something sort of like to give them a little bit more intensive. You know, the idea that they want to become something. Maybe they want to be a chef, but they don't want to commit to like a graduate. You know, into that like culinary school program because of the cost too. Right. right. And what's crazy is like, I mean, my just take my story in a little clip here. It's like I went to Winona State. 
I was trying to play football and do studio art. I did not do well. I kind of failed out after a couple of years. <laughs> I went to culinary school and got straight A's. And it was like, wow, wow like this is, I, I, you know, I was never good at school. I might have a little bit of, uh, you know, undiagnosed ADHD, you know. <laughs> it was just never the thing that I was good at. I mean, if you know that if you've ever met me. But yeah. the reality is, is that when I went to culinary school or when I was in contact with people and, uh, like, using my hands, it was like, when I was playing sports or like when I was part of a team and I was really good at those things. So um, it's just, you know, it's for some people, it's not, you know, people have different careers. It's just one of those things that if you kind of feel lost going into the school direction or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a really good kind of hands-on way to get into a career, learn like your soft skills. Like I said, learn organization, focus, self-determination. And honestly, the whole program is about just building that into people so that they can either take it into another career if they want or continue to be in the industry. I think that's so cool. I think that's a really good reminder too that, you know, just because you're not doing well in that school, it doesn't mean that you're the problem. Right. It could be that the school just isn't the right thing for you. And Mike Brown from Travail, who we're talking to, can I just say your dog is very vocal <laughs> and I I'm, I do need I'm to know the breed gonna, yeah. of this dog because I just need to put a face to the sound here. Okay. <sighs> so it's Hank for sure. And um He's he's half he's Labradane, so he's half half lab, half Dane. He's uh, about eight months old, and you know he's about eighty pounds. Oh so, my like, god! Yeah, this he has, is he has so to fill funny. Out, so Listen, this is my life at home. There. When I'm like doing Zoom interviews yeah. in the kitchen, Gracie Lou, our German short hair pointer, pointer, yeah. will have like ver- no movement for hours, and then the second I pipe onto a Zoom interview, she's tap tap tapping all over the kitchen and like enraged by some someone walking by. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's how that works. I know. I know. So, okay. So, Mike, how do people apply for this? Like, how are, like, and what are you looking for? Are you looking for, you know, just basic kids who are, I mean, did they have any kind of qualifications you want them to think about? Well, I mean, the reality is we just, we try to get people just in for an interview. Yeah. And then then interview goes a little, you know, goes a little further and it tells them specifically kind of what's going to be going on. And like the first eight months, this is what it's going to look like. And then it'll look like this for the next four months. And then after that, we'll try to get you placed into a different part of the restaurant. And, you know, it's it's, it's basically trying to get people to understand what it is they're looking at, at, at doing and then getting them to commit in the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and then bringing them onto the team and actually plugging them into the program. So it, it really has nothing to do with anything other than just people wanting to do what we're trying to do. And, um, you know, it's an intense job. Yeah. I mean, it's, you have to be uh, ready for that sort of dining. restaurant intensity, right? Yeah, it's, it's fine dining. It's it's hot cuisine over at Nouvelle. It's you know it's it's you know we're we're about to open up an ice cream shop, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So there's just some places that you know it's there's a bunch of different things that we can teach people in a, in a bunch of different ways. So. I, I love this. So how so should they just contact you? Do you guys have a thing up? Uh, you have an event page or something up on the website? Yep. Okay. Yep, and it's it's yeah, it's on our website. Okay. It's, it's super easy to find. Um, and uh, they'll just there'll be a there's an, there's an email there, Rachel at uh, travailcollective.com. dot com. Okay. And that's our HR director, and she gets it all lined up, and then we do like group interviews and just kind of talk about what it is, and it's kind of like a little mini orientation, and then there's like a real orientation once you're on board, and great, and then away we go. Away we go. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Mike. Keep us updated on your next class of chefs. We're excited to hear about it. <laughs> I will, I will, for sure. Okay, Hank. thanks. Bye, Hank. Yeah, bye, Hank. <laughs>
We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. I'm here with Elizabeth Reese this weekend. Good morning, friends. We are just having a great time. We are learning a lot today about cheese and about, you know, training young chefs and all sorts of fun stuff. I love seeing industries really take control of their future by creating opportunities for yep. young people and, and like, actively reaching out innovating to find those who would be a good fit for what they do yeah and also they like you know i just think that there's something to say about um about taking a problem instead of just complaining about it and panicking taking the long view you know and like saying well how do we change how do we fix this then right and knowing that people aren't wanting to come into the industry not because they don't want to work but because they don't like the industry Mm -hmm. maybe and there's something wrong with the industry and so you have this group of very creative and innovative chefs who you know can do whole cuisine and know about you know luxury and big stuff but also know that you have to create something that somebody wants to be a part of and then showing them those inside ropes of that i think that's astounding i think that's true and you know what i also would add to that stuff like as a consumer i think we can really be thoughtful and strategic when it comes to supporting restaurants who are supporting their employees not just through wages but through time because they're does come a point when a great wage is one thing, but if you are if you never have time off, right. it's kind of hard to sustain. So like I love seeing restaurants that are saying, Hey, we're closing for a week in July. Yep. To give everybody a week off. We are closing for a week in the fall to give everybody a week off. I mean, I think you're seeing that more and more. Yep. And being supportive of those restaurants. Yeah. Because that's I mean, that's really like at, at a certain point that becomes the next level of importance. Yeah. Money is important. I'm not going to say it's not, but time is also really important. It is. And in fact, I remember dark horse tavern, you know, they shut down, uh, this last January and February and they were like, we'll just come back. You know, like there's like, it's not enough. There's not enough action anyway in our neighborhood right now. And like, you know, and they shut down, but they paid their employees. Oh, see, that's really cool. And so it was kind of like everybody had like, you know, a little couple months off, but they didn't have to worry about trying to scramble and find another job they were taken care of. So, yeah, yeah. that's I mean, if they have the possibility and the ability to do it, that's marvelous. Go for it. So and it doesn't. Great. Yeah. Even if it's a, if it's a week. I mean, yeah. A week. A week a I know. Right. Holy so moly. good. Um, so I want to talk about gardening season because oh, it hallelujah. is gardening season. Finally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. my God. It feels like it's been forever because it, it really, um, it really has. I would say um, I would still be a little bit cautious and like check your soil temps yeah. to make sure that you're putting things like I, I, I wouldn't do tomato p- plants or pepper plants this weekend. No. I would just wait until next weekend. Yep. I think doing cool season things is totally fine, but you don't need to be in a panic today. Like, oh my gosh. It's sunny and nice. Like, I have to get things growing or I'm not going to have anything. You have time. You have time. Yeah, so don't panic. So um, I would say kind of think about, like, if you want to sow some seeds, I mean, do some radishes, do some cool lettuces. That stuff is all ready to go. But as far as, like, peppers and tomatoes, the really warm season stuff, wait, just wait another week. Just wait another week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you know that the garden centers are going to be slammied today. And you know that it's going to be crazy time. So maybe this is a good time for me. My mom and I are going to do, you know, hang out in my yard and figure some stuff out. Yeah. And we are going to, I'm going to rip up some of the old plants that were there and I'm going to do a little cleanup Mm -hmm. and like some strategizing and maybe get some support things that I know that I'm going to put in, but not yet. You know, I, you know, I think I just, there's time to sort of like 
strategize. Yeah, I think take your coffee outside today yeah. and um, and take a minute and just kind of walk around and mapping out what you want to go where mm-hmm. is really important. Um, a couple things that I've been doing a lot of the last couple years, you know, you can do a full fall clean out if you want. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have little kids. Yeah. I like never get to it. I never do it. And then I realize it's not really a big deal because no. it all just composts in yeah. anyway. And so then I just kind of like work it in what I'll do to my raised beds. We've got two um, big, like they're like three foot by 10 foot raised beds in the backyard. So I'll then buy several bags of compost yeah, um, of like fully composted stuff. And I compost in my backyard too, but I just like to buy like a good, like commercially composted compost. I don't know. It's just like nice. And then I just lay, I'm going to lay that all over the top and just do that as like a nice, level on top and then kind of working in a little bit but you know you don't have to go crazy with tilling I mean you just lay it on top and then everything that's been underneath like I've got all my tomato vines from last year they're just gonna soak right in and they're eventually gonna compost in yep um I got a couple new raised beds that I'm really excited about that we're gonna place in the side yard this year that are made out of that like corrugated metal oh yeah that's yeah my friend Kelly does those I'm excited Mm -hmm. about that so I'll start posting if you follow me on Instagram at Eliz Reese I'll post about those because I'm gonna map out where they're gonna go today um and then i've been researching a lot about how to fill them without just filling them with tons of soil which can be expensive right so i'm going to do a big layer of cardboard on the bottom okay a whole bunch of like old leaves tree branches all that stuff and then soil on the top yeah and you can save a ton of cash because i think when i filled my big raised beds a few years ago when we built them it was like 400 bucks in soil yeah. I mean, it's expensive to it have is. that much delivered. It is. Um, so that way you're able to kind of not be overwhelmed if you're going to start to do some raised beds. Yeah. No, I think that that's a really great idea. And also, you know, considering about when you... Okay, so and you're using corrugated metal on the side. So do you have... Do you have wooden ones though as well yeah i have wooden ones in the back because i was reading a controversy people were talking about how they the wooden ones are the worst way to go because they're gonna eventually rot well they eventually rot i mean everything nothing's gonna last forever right so they are eventually gonna rot and um and so you have to just sort of be aware of that i think that's the thing for me is i sort of feel like well i think you know the old house that i was in last year you know, they had, you know, we had this raised beds, but they were, they were, they were at the point, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was renting and I was like, I'm not going to go and re and do your entire garden for you, whatever. But nonetheless, like having seen how that happens has made me think twice about it. So I'm thinking of using either brick or doing the corrugated metal thing. Yeah. The metal ones, the ones I got were from Veggio Garden. Yeah. And, um, so what's cool about them is that they're modular and so you can get them like you can decide what shape they are. Like yes. you order it and then it, they've got like, you know, six or nine different configurations right. for the bed. And then you can choose the different colors and they say they'll last 20 years or more. Yeah. Um, and they're also a little bit lighter right. and they're easy to put together if, you know, because when my husband built our raised beds, like it's kind of a big production. Yeah. If you're not like in the arena of building something and lumber is expensive. Lumber is expensive. And so, there's also those big bins from the tractor supply store. You know, they yeah. have those like big like feed bins yeah. almost that are just like, they look like big tin wash tubs. Yes. And those, I I know I've seen people plant those on their decks and do a really great job of that too. You can certainly get creative with containers. And the other thing that I would always recommend is start small, you know, add, yes. do one raised bed and then you can always add more so that you don't feel overwhelmed and then grow up. So put your money into 
um, trellises. And you can do trellises super cheap. You can do them really expensive. But if you get, um, I have some really cool ones from Mother Earth Gardens in St. Paul that are like these rusted trellises. Yeah. And I've I've just kind of acquired them over you know every couple of years I'll be like okay I'm gonna splurge on one this year and I'm gonna I'm gonna add another one but you will be amazed at how much you can grow if you grow up right and um, instead of having like squash um, you know and then other things like of course cucumbers have to grow up you have to f- find a way to trellis them mm-hmm. um, but you can do that with pole beans like you can just get so much food out of a small space if you utilize vertical growing methods yeah. No, I'm, and actually I'm, I kind of have this plot of, I have some stuff on my deck that I want to like, you know, trellis upward so that I can create sort of a screen between the neighbors. Yes, you know? yes. Like, that's a whole thing. That's yeah. a whole vibe. Trying to work that one. For sure. But like, what are you thinking about planting this year? Do you have anything like different that you're going to try this year new? Well, I'm not sure. I'm definitely going to do, I mean, we do a lot of tomatoes and I, and I've kind of like gotten my favorites. I love heirloom tomatoes. I love to do as many small ones as possible because yep. I just love like the kiddos can you know open grab them if you're if you feel like you struggle with tomatoes a smaller variety is easier to grow yep and um you don't risk them like cracking and getting all moldy and flies in them and stuff like that true so i would go that direction um i'm really trying to up my squash game i just haven't had enough room squash takes a lot of room it does it needs to go it just needs to be able to go i'm gonna do um so that's kind of what I'm hoping for out of these new raised beds is to do some squash and then do some trellises and kind of creatively like shape them into this space because squash is one of my favorite things to eat. And I also like things that you don't have to like continually harvest Yeah. Um, because you know, you get kind of the, the bounty comes in the fall with like one big harvest. Yeah. Um, I always love cucumbers. I just always want to do small cucumbers or English cucumbers because the big ones with the thick skin and the watery seeds in the center are just not my jam. No, I love the lemon cucumbers. Those yes. little ones that look almost like limes, you know? I mean, and they're like, these little lemon cucumbers are so great. Yeah, I always encourage finding things that you can't really see at the store. So, like, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna grow jalapenos, like, find, go grow purple jalapenos. Yes. Just for the heck of it. Because yes. you don't see purple jalapenos at the grocery store. No. You, I mean, you're gonna see them probably at the farmer's market, market, but not even as much. The other thing that's really easy to grow that's really fun are different varieties of dried beans. Oh. And I've done this quite a bit where I've grown, like, orca beans that yeah. look like little orca whales or, um, I've grown some other ones with like tigery stripes and stuff like that. And they're really easy too because they're just small little plants. You can kind of pack them close together and then you wait till the pods dry out in the fall. You take them and then you shell them and then you literally save the dried beans and then you can use them all year and they look beautiful in jars in your kitchen. Ooh. And those are totally um, fun and you can get really wild varieties that you would never see at the store. Good tip. Good tip. I love it. I'm not a professional. I am not a master gardener. You are not a master gardener, but you are a journey woman. (laughs) And that is big a part of it. That's just, you're just an expert in your own way, which is so great. I think too, I mean, that's the thing. Like you're going to have years where things just don't work and, um, and that's okay. And that happens to everyone. I mean, you talk to like really garden expert people and they'll be like, something just randomly failed. I don't know. I know. You can't tell. You don't know. You You can have fun with radishes too. Those are really easy. It's called nature. Yes, it is. I love it. It's an exciting time. I know. All right, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are going to talk about what's going on this weekend around town. we got some Derby Day intel and uh, some fun things. So we'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1.
Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us this gorgeous Saturday. Maybe you're out and about. This is the weekend. Maybe you're already out there. Maybe we're on while you're, you know, playing in the grass already. Or maybe you're going to listen to us later at night because you want to take on all the sun that you can and Kudos for that. It's very good. We've got a neighbor neighbor's birthday party today. We've got um, my niece Cecily Jane's baptism this afternoon. Nice. It's a whole thing today. Nice. And so you're going to be able to get around. I will say I was very impressed with your <laughs> mobility when I saw you this week. Thank you very much. I broke my ankle in early, uh, well, mid-February, right. if you all missed it. Um, and then I have been recovering and I just got, uh, I've been ditching the crutches here the last like week. Yeah. I'm still in the boot. And then then I see my surgeon on Wednesday to talk about transitioning out of the boot and into regular shoes, even though my fat Frankenfoot can't fit into my shoes. I tell you <laughs> it's what. It's still a little swollen. It's a little <laughs> bit. So what happens? We'll get there. I know. I might have to buy like two pairs of shoes, you know. Yeah. Two I sizes. Don't know, two sizes so that I can then wear them one for a bit. One normal and one Like upgraded. cheap ones for a little bit. Oh my God. I know. Cause it's really, I mean, it won't fit. No. I tried I think to put just, on my Peloton shoes. Well, I got the go ahead that I could start doing that and I can't fit. So no. then, but my foot fits into my husband's Peloton shoe. Oh, thank one. God. <laughs> so that's, that's what thank I'm God. Do. I wow. I know. That's kind of amazing. Here we are. Um, so it's Derby day. I don't know if you know. Look at that. I mean, it's all of a sudden, boom, it's it's Kentucky Derby Day. Mm-hmm. So if you see, if you happen to be driving around town and you see packs of beautiful people with their, you know, flowery hats. dresses and mm-hmm. beautiful hats kind of popping around town, that's what's happening. Yeah, they've got that big event um, at Canterbury. They do. And Shakopee, that benefits um, St. Jude. It does. Yeah. It does. And there's a fashion show there. It's I know, a it full sounds on like fashion it's going to be really, um, it, really fun. I know we had Grant Whitaker on Twin Cities Live earlier this week talking about it, and he said they still had some tickets available. So oh, good. if you want to go to a big festivity, you can check today to make sure if they still have tickets. And I kind of feel like you should be at Canterbury Downs. If, I mean, like, you know, it's a horse race. Yeah. And so you should be by the horses. For sure. And the VIP tickets look pretty great because mm-hmm. you can, like, have a social hour in the paddock and all sorts of fun stuff. I would go. But I, if I wasn't like going to get into the dirt today, I would yeah, do that one. I know. Yep. But there's other things. There's also Derby Day at the Minneapolis Cider Company, which I wanted to shout out because it's also their third birthday, which they pointed out was the, how old the horses are when they run. So, oh, that's fun. I just had one of their ciders last night. We oh. Had, our neighbors were outside and then um, my neighbor Becky had them stashed in her fridge. She said, I'll grab you one. And it was delicious. Oh, I love them. I think they're great. They're having a little party. They've got new cider releases. They do have a mint julep cocktail. Uh, they do have mini ponies, actual live mini ponies on site <laughs> for everyone who needs a mini pony for your Instagram. And you know, the difference between a horse and a pony, a pony is just smaller. That's what someone told me that no ponies were an actually different animal. I don't know, but I looked it up and it was like ponies are smaller. Yeah. So who knows? I don't like, but it's not a horse. Horse people. Like they'll never get, I know someone's going to, we need you. Someone's going to call in or write us a note. But pony won with the cuteness of the name. I know pony. Come on. How sweet is that? Now, the other big thing going on right now is the MSP International Film Festival. Mm. Do you have any desire to go see a bunch, any movies? Um, I mean, I always like seeing movies. I know. I love this. So one of the things I want to recommend is that uh, you check out their site, and it's on the feed. Everything that I'm talking about today is on the feed, which is on mspmag.com. But I want to let you know that there is the Jose Andres uh, movie, Feed the People, is We Feed People, is out uh, as part of this whole thing. And, oh, I just didn't have the right link. Um, 
And I would like to see that. I know, Shock. But there's it's this is one of those ones that I think it's like that's a great documentary to go see. Um, really, really kind of cataloging how his, uh, you know, the World Central Kitchen, which has a massive impact and is out there in Ukraine feeding people refugees on the ground. It's incredible. It's incredible. And he's sort of this insanely wonderful human, quite honestly. Yeah, he really is. And I just kind of love that. Um, but there's a couple other food focused movies I might want you to kind of look at. One of them is called This is a very interesting movie. Flux Gourmet. Mm. Okay. And this one is playing, uh, this one plays today at 9.45 or next Thursday. Um, and this is a strange culinary collective. Performance artists work night and day as quote unquote sonic caterers, exacting disturbing noises from food. <laughs> this guy is, is tasked with documenting these events, but soon he begins to wonder if he himself isn't part of the performance. And it's this idea that these people are like, pulling these weird sounds, these bizarre sounds from foods. And it's um, jealousy competition around this kind of idea. I think it's kind of interesting. I'm confused. Yes. And intrigued. Peter Strickland is the filmmaker, and he's known for doing some very interesting right. <laughs> movies. There and you go. I don't know. It just looks really... And there's a trailer. You can watch the trailers for everything, so you can kind of preview a little bit, decide if you want to go. Um, the other one I wanted to shout out was... It kind of looked very sweet. It's this French movie called Hard Shell, Soft Shell, and it's about a French oyster farmer who, you know, falling in love. Oh, that's sweet. Don't you think? Right? Oh, I can totally get behind that. It's kind of a fun feminist update on the romantic dramedy is what they're calling it. So it's oh, a it's fun. a female, it's writer-director Emma Beniston. And it's kind of an interesting look at like, I think she kind of rebuffs him. And I don't know. It's just really interesting. I would go see this one. That's sweet. Yeah. I love that. Oh gosh, I love um, I love food movies. I do too. And this is like, what do you think? What is your favorite one? My, I, oh, I love chocolate so yes. much. I mean, it's just all. I, I mean, the the Johnny Depp situation. If you've been following that, it fits right in with my talk. But yeah, it's really a wow. great movie. I love that movie so much. I I want to watch that. I might watch it. Tomorrow. You might watch that. That's a good one to watch. I love that one. Um, I also love Big Night. Obviously. Mm. Such a great Stanley Tucci as the Italian and Tony Shalhoub as, you know. Oh, my God. It's a, a mini drivers in it. I mean, everybody's yeah. in it. What's the food truck movie with John Favreau? Chef. Yeah. I just like that. That one is a great one. I think it's a fun food movie. And I like that he, like, took it so seriously to chop and do all the things. Well, and then he launched an entire, like, food show. Which is with good. Roy it, which is a good show. I know. It's it, a uh, fun show. It stands on its own completely and utterly. Yes. Now, oh, mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the seasonal things that are opening, because that's also a fun thing for people to do on a great weekend like this. They want to get out. They want to hit a food truck. They want to go to a place. Uh, if you're feeling like a drive to Marina on St. Croix, which is a lovely place, the Brookside Bar and Grill is now open. Great. And Courtney Taylor, they have a new owner, and she's, you know, they've got, you know, great outdoor patios. They've got good burgers. It's a beautiful little town to kind of stroll through. Oh, I got to meet my sisters there. Yeah, go do that. And they've got a lot of fun things. Uh, Tequila Butcher at the Caribbean is open again. Great. Now, that's on Lake Minnetonka. They took over my favorite burger spot, but I'm going to let them. And um, (laughs) that's fine because, you know what? They have great margaritas. They've got good burgers. They've got huge tacos. And they've got those asada fries, which are just french fries just piled with all the things. 
Great. I know, right? Have you ever been to PD Pappy's in Stillwater? I love PD Pappy's in Stillwater. Listen, I am trying to tell you something. I've hit PD Pappy's hard in my life, and I, I have enjoyed every second of it. I love this. You know what? I you I went there a long, long time ago, kind of like, you know, in my 20s, I feel like, and I kind of forgot about it. Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm You know, I'm like a... I'm a still. I'm the president of the Stillwater fan club. That's I'm, what I feel like. I feel like I thought that about you. Yeah. I, well, my sister lives there. Yeah. I love it there so much. If I had a helicopter to take me to work every day, I would live in Stillwater. I just think it's like so magical. And Petey Pappy's cracks me up. Yes. It is great. like it is like a great live music dive bar. Yes. On the water. Really good live music. And no cover ever. And yo. tons of motorcycles. So are many always, motorcycles. Um, are always outside. And it's a great bar it's a just great bar to get your little dance on yeah. too no it seems like a very fun good time there mm-hmm. okay the last thing i want to make sure to remind to mention is that uh together farms burger night is back now together farms is my favorite sustainable regenerative farm just south of eau claire and on the weekends you guys they have burger nights i gotta go there you gotta go and you know what you can camp yes. if you don't want to drive back you can camp there okay i know i think you and the kids you guys would have a fun time i think we would too i know Thank you, Elizabeth. Love you, Steph. Love you. Great day. Take care, everybody. Have a good garden day. Ciao, ciao.